This episode of The Taylor Stevens Show is brought to you by listeners, readers, and patrons. If you'd like to learn how to support this podcast, please visit www.patreon.com slash taylorstevens. This is Taylor Stevens, the New York Times bestselling and award-winning author of kick-ass international thrillers, and this is The Taylor Stevens Show with my good friend Steve Campbell, where we are kicking writing in the butt one word at a time. And if people ever want to know what we do just before recording, I should I should play that. We were having dueling take-deep breaths. <laughs> yes, because that's how Steve knows <laughs> when, this, when the actual recording recording starts. Yes, I can see on the sound waves, I can see Taylor's deep breath, but I threw one in on my own there. So what a boring way to start this podcast. We do have an interesting topic today. We're going to be following up on something that we talked about uh, very recently about story weight. So that's the topic of the podcast, but you'll be shocked, maybe stunned is a better word, to know that Taylor has had another incident. Really, an incident, incident. Um, well, Steve is so busy, he doesn't always see all of my posts in the Facebook group. So, I was telling him about one that a lot of you have probably already seen, where I had made that a joke about how the benefit of getting a fish hook in your arm, getting caught by a fish hook, and having to go to the ER is that later when you step down hard on a rusty nail, you've already got your tetanus booster. <laughs> so you just get to go on your merry way and not worry about it. And that led us into the discussion of like my accident proneness. And I was like, I'm not accident prone per se. It's just a product of this environment where I'm around fences and, you know, sharp metal things and, repurposed wood. And I mean, given how many opportunities there are to hurt myself and, and given that they all like relatively minor, if one could consider stepping on a rusty nail minor, um, you know, I think I'm doing pretty good, but uh, truthfully, I think my body's just like this mess of scrapes and abrasions and bruises and little cuts and I don't, it's such a common thing for something to grab me or snag me or hit me like goats <laughs> <laughs> that, that I don't even really register it when it's happening unless it's like really painful. Like the other night I caught my heel. Um, I wasn't wearing my tall boots. I was wearing, uh, short, shorter ones. They're called sloggers. Um, and I caught the back of my heel on the edge of a cattle panel and cattle panels are like, um, they're like pre wired fences with this really thick gauge metal and you use them to, you know, separate things. And so sometimes in this particular case, it'd been, the cattle panel had been cut, uh, to, to accompany a, a gate and, and separate something in the barn. And I caught my heel on one of those cuts and that hurt way worse <laughs> than stepping on a nail. 
But for the most part, I don't, I'm not even aware. And I'll just look, I'm like, oh, what's that bruise from? Oh, look, I got some cuts. Oh, look, there's more poison ivy. <laughs> and it's just like, that's just part of being outside. So what kind of footwear were you wearing when you stepped on the rusty nail? Also the sloggers. They're, they're like, it's been this constant frustration for me of finding outdoor boots, whatever, that stay waterproof. So like, I've used muck boots, not the name brand ones, but, you know, and then after a while, they just, they'll split. And they're really heavy, heavy plastic, like, uh, I guess they're plastic. Oh, I see. I see what you're talking about. I I had to look them up because I'd never heard the term before. But then I've tried other ones that, like, were a little prettier, you know, because I like colors. And I got them on sale and... Both of them only lasted, each pair, and there were different brands, only lasted like three or four weeks before Yikes. there was a split, and they weren't waterproof anymore. So these sloggers have lasted me the longest. They're just not boots. They're more like uh, like croc-type shoes, if crocs go all the way around your feet, um, but without the holes. They're, they're watertight. And, and they were my last pair of watertight soles that I shoes that I could wear and not worry about getting my feet all muddy or mucky or whatever. And I stepped on a nail. I was more mad about putting a hole for the sole of those, <laughs> those shoes than I was about getting the nail in my foot. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, that's, that's one of those little things you don't, you don't really stop to think about like rain boots, quote unquote. How long are they actually going to last if you're wearing them on a daily basis, trudging through, you know, barnyards or, you know, chicken yards or pastures or whatever? And the answer is most of them don't last very long. And uh, so now I'm uh, my, my next quest is to find a really good pair that will last me and just pay for those, even if they're not pretty. So if this were, if we were telling a story here, not a verbal story, but if you were writing a story and there was a chase through a field and the chasee was was wearing these sloggers and stepped on a rusty nail, how much story weight would that have in the story (laughs) if she were able to get away and and go on with her, go on chasing the objective of the story? Uh, All right, let's go into that topic. So, story weight. What I just did there at the beginning was told a completely dumb, stupid story that doesn't really matter to my life at all. So in terms of story weight, I put way too much weight on that story based on what it deserves. But if we were narrowing the focus of life down to just few for to an hour, and based on everything else that happened in that hour... Well, then the amount of weight that I just spent going into detail about the shoes and the sloggers and the nail and all that would have been absolutely appropriate. So story weight is really hard to like (laughs) give you an exact definition of what it is, but it has to do with how much time, words, detail, texture, goes into a specific item. So we could be talking about the weight of the of a scene. We could be talking about the weight of a particular aspect of backstory. We could be talking about the weight of 
a character's introduction and how much detail we go into that particular character's background. Every element in a story has its own weight, but how much it weighs or how much it contributes is based on how much detail and time and attention you give it as the author. And where this comes into play, this comes into play in two paths of storytelling. The first is how the reader perceives the details that you are giving them. When you spend a lot of time, effort, energy, words, details, going into specifics about a specific thing, be it a character, a chair, a dog, whatever it is, in the reader's mind, that thing relative to everything else in the story is more important. So if something's only going to show up once in the story, like say a character enters a convenience store, right? It doesn't make a lot of sense to spend a lot of time going into the background about that character and what they look like and that character's view on life, what they were doing before they got to the store that morning, if the only time that character ever shows up in the story is that scene in the convenience store. If you give that character more weight than it deserves relative to the overall story, the reader's going to believe and expect that character to show up somewhere else or to have that character be part of the plot in some way. And if that character isn't, it's going to feel like an untied thread. There's going to be this sort of empty feeling about it because you set up, possibly inadvertently, you set up expectations by giving that character more weight in the story than they deserved relative to the entire story. But if that character is going to turn up in other places, then you do want to give, put the weight there in that spot when we first meet them. Because if you introduce that character without the weight, the story weight that it deserves, they deserve, the reader's expectation is that they aren't going to be part of the story. And so then if they then turn up later and play a major role in the story, the weight is now unbalanced. The weight is showing up in the wrong place and and the story is going to feel unbalanced. So that's from the reader side of it. As an author, where story weight comes into play is that the more weight you give something on the page, the more you create an obligation to follow through on it. And one of the big dangers of that is the tendency to take the story off in multiple directions that it doesn't really need to go, which will either make the story way longer than it should be because you have that many more words required to follow through on it, or your brain 
latches on to the, that and goes, oh, well, let's go explore that. And next thing you know, you're writing a completely different story than what you originally set out to write. For authors who follow uh, outlines, it's easier to stop that because you're like, whoa, this is veering me way off path of where I intended to go. If you're an organic writer and you tend to just see where the story takes you, you could be way far into it down that uh, avenue that that additional weight is leading you before you realize, wait, no, this isn't, this is extraneous. So you end up wasting words and time and mental energy. And it, it sometimes can be really hard to pare back, get you back to the root without interfering with other aspects of the story that you've written along the way. So it kind of muddy, it, ha it has the possibility of muddying the storytelling process in ways that are avoidable and unnecessary. So what is story weight exactly? It's how it feels. Does it feel big? Does it feel important? Does it feel like it matters? If it should and it doesn't, then you know that you need to invest more time developing the details of that particular scenario or character or scene setting or whatever it is. Let's use another example. Let's say that the story has um, a weapon that the killer uses to murder somebody. I mean, a little bit redundant there, but the, the, the bad guy in the story uses to murder somebody. Um, when you present the weapon, it's going to have to show up on the page at some point. You're faced with a choice. Does that weapon have a history? Is it personal to this character? You can go into a lot of detail about where the character uh, got that weapon, how the, the whole process of it. Um, and that is going to create story weight around that weapon. Now, should it? <laughs> that is the question for you as the author to decide. Where is your story going? What's the intent? Now, as I was talking about that, a scene came to mind in an unfinished story that I started once upon a time um, that has a weapon in it that, that plays a role in, a, in a, just a segment of the story as part of this character's journey, character arc. And so it, it definitely shows up in more than one scene. The weapon is a, is a motivator for how the character gets a certain place where it triggers something else that happens and decisions are made, what have you. But this character is not a gun owner, naturally. Like, they, they don't already own guns. And they're in the position of needing to get a gun in a hurry because reasons. And it shows how the character goes through and does it. So in that sense, the amount of weight put on the acquisition of that weapon is absolutely appropriate to the amount of weight the weapon or the amount of uh, importance that weapon plays in the plot line, in the character's life, as these events unfold. But if that character 
wasn't going to go through all those process, those those things. And if where or how the character got the gun didn't really matter to the story, to invest all the time in walking the reader through the process that the character went to get this gun that is never used for anything, never part of the plot, like say the character just felt unsafe and wanted to have a gun in this particular situation, and then we never really see the gun again, it's not really reflected on again, to spend that same amount of time, words, energy, focus on how walking the character through how they get it is too much weight for the role that that object plays in the story overall. So I think I've kind of explained what sort of through these examples, what story weight is and how it matters, but I'm not sure. So Steve, do you have any questions or a way to? Yeah. So let me, let me ask a specific question. And one of the things that, that came to mind in your writing, you, and, and we've talked about this a lot of times, that you do a lot of research and a lot of writers do a lot of research. And when you gain this research, you have new knowledge that you want to share with the readers. And at times, it, it can seem like a balancing act to, between story weight and, hey, I have this really cool new piece of information that I want you to have. Is, is that a balancing act? Or is that something where you would limit the research initially based on the story weight? So it can, it can go both ways. I mean, always everything in crafting a story is a balancing act. It's, it's this, you've got all these threads that you're weaving together and you're trying to create this pattern and too much of one is going to throw the whole pattern off. So, but, but it's on so many levels. You've got so many balls or threads or however many mixed metaphors we can throw in here to, to get this thing from beginning to end. But let's say, for example, you have this really cool detail about a piece of research that you've uncovered in working on this story, and it is topical to the story. It's not, it's not like you're dealing with one particular theme, one particular subject, and then you find these details about this city that you find fascinating, and the character's going to be in that city, so it's topical in that sense, but it's not topical to the overall story. Even if you've got all the craziest, funnest ideas in the world, you can't throw those in there and just info dump the reader because it's interesting. Because you might find it interesting. That doesn't mean that your readers are going to find it interesting. So if you have this thing, this this detail or group, grouping of details that you just got to have in there so bad, you would feel like you'd be kicking yourself for the rest of your life if you didn't find a way to integrate in the story, then sometimes what the solution is, is to create a story around it that allows you to put it in there so that the weight is balanced out. So let's say, you know, it's one pound weight in a 10,000 pound story or something. Um, but one pound uh, in its own, in this one scene, would just be overkill. So you can extend the scene by giving the character motivation to have to go through this, go into this area over there for whatever reason, and that's when that topic comes up, and then the character goes somewhere else, and it just kind of balances itself out. And that's basically what the entire story of the informationist was. 
was finding a way to integrate knowledge of this particular country and settings and details that I thought would be interesting that I wanted to talk about. I used fiction as a vehicle for telling readers all these crazy things. And I built an entire story around the the details so that it balanced out the weight that they belonged. You know, there's so many places that Monroe went when she was in Malavo, um, th- situations that happened. This is all based on real life. And they were, I mean, there's so many more that I could have drawn from as well, but these were ones in particular that allowed storytelling to show a specific aspect like the paranoia of the country or the lack of consciousness uh, to time or appointments or just showing up for work or any of these things. So these are details. Every single one of them has weight. And if there hadn't been story to go around them to bolster it, those details would have had too much weight in the story and it would have just felt lopsided and like, you know, travel writing under the guise of storytelling. So if you have something that you want to talk about, then you can build the story around it. But if you've already got your story sort of going in one direction and then you find this thing that you find so fascinating and you want to throw it in there, you got to make a decision. You know, how much are you willing to disrupt the flow of your story or alter the flow of your story to get it in there? Or maybe you could save it for another time and put it in a short story or put it in a different book or something. And I, I repurpose a lot of the material, the research that I do, uh, not on purpose or like I'm deliver like, well, of course, on purpose, but not like, oh, I found that so fascinating that I got to put it in this other book. It's just I tend when you're writing about espionage or whatever, you know, there's just certain cities that tend to show up multiple times or, you know, and so research that's done for one will be used for another. And that's an opportunity to throw details in that maybe I wouldn't didn't have a chance to use the first time around. So just because you know something, it doesn't mean that you absolutely have to put it in there. It's OK to to not but, you know, that's, that's a personal decision that each author has to decide on. And so when you mentioned, you know, the whole travelogue thing about the informationist, that was, in a lot of instances, that was information that you already had, so you didn't have to go out searching for it. In the catch, it was a different situation where you, there, there was information that you needed for the story, and you did have to go out and search for it. So based on the amount of time and effort that you went into learning about shipping, did that influence the way you told the story? Um, it influenced the language that I used to tell the story uh, because, you know, the maritime industry is its own whole own vocabulary of the word does not mean what you think it means. Um, so it definitely influenced that. And when I went back to read it again, after so many years, I could see the level of research that went into it through the language that was on the page, through simple things like explaining what a shipping agent does. Like there's this one line earlier in the book that says something like, in the world of shipping, nothing happened at port without the agent. And then a few more words of explanation of what the shipping agent did and how, you know, every port had an agent. And that was it. Relative to what I understood and what I had learned, it was a dot, (laughs) a dot. But that's all that the story required. And to do more, to talk about the agent, Monroe's experience with the agents, of other examples of, it would have just taken, it would have put too much story weight on that 
aspect. And to salvage it, I would have had to take the story in a different direction in order to to bolster it, to hold it up, balance it out. And, and it was unnecessary. So most of what I learned just never made it onto the page. Okay, so you, you mentioned that people who outline are less likely to go too far off the rails in terms of story weight, and people who pansters, pansters, is that the right term? Pansters, yes, writing pansters. by the seat of their pants, um, are maybe more likely. And, and maybe that's not true, but they're, they're, they're less unlikely. The, than, risk, the risk is there. Like yes. there's more of a risk of it just because of the nature of pantsing itself to see where the story goes, because it's like you're telling yourself the story and building it as you go. And when you get this idea, there's nothing stopping you from following through on it. And if you're someone whose ideas are just all over, it's like, boom, 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 fill in that detail. You, you, it can be too much. Uh, that's not to say it can't also happen to those who outline because it depends on how much outline you do like people who, some, or maybe in the outline process, you might run up against that, but you get a chance to cut it off before you actually fully develop the actual writing part of it. Um, so if you have very bare bones outline, sort of like mine, there's still the risk of it, which is why I'm familiar with <laughs> going to like, Oh, well, that was a thousand words I wrote today. They're going to get deleted <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> Because uh, it just took me in the wrong direction. I, I spent too much time exploring a particular aspect. But in the process of it, I did kind of clarify my thoughts, clarify my thinking. What exactly is it here I'm trying to say? And so just because you write it doesn't mean you need to keep it. So putting too much story weight on a particular topic or thing in a rough draft is not bad because you can always delete it out later where you run into trouble is if because you wrote it, you feel like you need to keep it. And then you spend all this time working to find a way to force it to fit. And you end up with this very unbalanced story as a result. So you're way better off just kind of being ruthless and saying, this doesn't belong here. Take it out and move on. <laughs> you know, it depends because if you, if All right. Well, let, let me process. let me let me rephrase that because okay. I know in my case, in in looking at, the, at, you know, I had all kinds of story weight issues in in the draft that you looked at a, of my manuscript, and it's it's really it's really difficult to just say, yeah, I'm, I just need to take that out. But if you don't take it out, in my case, then there's all kinds of other things that have to be done to make it fit in a way that doesn't bog down the story or lead readers to believe it's something that it's not. So in, in that particular case, I mean, yes, there were definitely issues like that as well, but it can also be a different, um, I don't want to say problem, different issue in that it's plotting. So the plot had branches moving off of it that didn't work because they had, it's like they got written, but they never, but then because they were on the page, it was like, well, I wrote it. I'm not saying this was your mentality, but it's, it's an example of, well, because I wrote it, I got to keep it. And that's where cutting and being ruthless comes into play is after you've gotten all your ideas down is does this work from a plot perspective? If it's not working, do I just 
keep throwing good words after bad and try and make it work or do I do something different? So it's slightly different issue than story weight when it comes to objects or characters where too much time and attention is devoted to something relative to how much of a role they're going to play in the story overall. Similar, but different. All right, I think we have I think we have covered that topic. So this this is this is an interesting topic. I'm glad we brought it up. I'm glad we brought it up uh, a week or so ago so that we had a chance to dig into it a little bit more. So thank you Taylor and thank you guys for listening. We will be back with you again next week. See you guys next week. Thanks for being here.